There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Hey, we're live. We're back. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Yeah, we're back on Twitch. We thought we were going to be doing Twitch a lot, and like it's just been kind of a thing. We just haven't gotten around to doing a lot. But uh, hey, we're talking ducks, and it's what? How how many? What was the last day that they were relevant? I'm very curious. Oh, uh, uh, game game one. Game one so bad. Game October, one. October, I think. <laughs> lot, plenty of news to talk about, though, guys. It's been a while since we've all been on the, all three been on the show, so. Eric Steve has been firing off crazy, crazy material left and right through the athletic. Josh Cooper doing the same. So I want to touch on some of these points, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys – go ahead. I was just going to say Eric Stevens has been going off ever since he joined the athletic. Pretty much Uh everything he puts out now is actually stuff you want to go and read and want to go find. I guess same with Josh Cooper too, right? So – are you guys drinking? Is this a Pucks and Brews, but not really a Pucks and Brews show? It's like a minor league Pucks and Brews, Minor I guess. league, yeah. I, I went with uh, my favorite pineapple beer that Jason would hate because it has got a tinge of... I like pineapple. 7.2%. <laughs> okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> I got Modelo. That's uh, 5.4, so I'm a little bit Always high, a classic. Classic, always a classic. And I he's had, got... Uh, I had stuff yesterday. I have water today. Mm. I had Landshark yesterday. Wow, it's still probably Canadian drunk then. Yeah. <laughs> no beers, no beers today at the the old uh, cave. <laughs> no, not today. No, no, had... no strange brew. 
<laughs> so we've got let's touch on a few announcements that we're making here. We have a website coming along. We're definitely doing that. Um, so that's for uh, some more opportunity for us to post more things and get more out to you guys. Um, hats are coming. I know we talked about that a while ago. We just start, we actually just got done talking about that. So those are coming too. We're gonna have Forever Mighty hats that we kind of teased a couple months ago. Was it a couple months ago? It seemed like it's been a while. It, yeah, yeah. Since we had that run, it was like I think. So it was February? definitely a couple months ago. It was like April. So yeah, we we definitely have that. Um, and then we're also doing a watch party, and not like a, a crazy one that we've done in the past. Where we have prizes and all that. We're just gonna kick it. We're at uh, Lampos Pizza in Yorba Linda. We want to get people together to watch the Stanley Cup Finals and. And if the Sharks make it, then I guess we're rooting for the Bruins. Uh, if they don't make it, then we're rooting for the Blues because I hate Boston and I hate the Sharks. So it's a real tough <laughs> predicament I'm in right now. But the uh, Blues yeah. won today, so go Blues. Yeah, I'm I'm all about the Blues right now. They're 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 the team that I was thinking would might make some noise, and uh, they've done a good job so far. So what a turnaround for that season! Uh, I don't want to have to root for Boston, <laughs> honestly. Uh-huh. Like. That that's the nightmare situation is having Boston from the east and uh, either obviously San Jose or even if LA was there that that is probably the worst situation you get. I think most people hate Boston, right? Unless oh yeah. You're, <laughs> unless, unless you're, you're uh, yeah, unless you're from there, you hate Boston. So, what did you guys think of uh, all the breaks the Sharks are getting right now? I know this is going to be a duck show, but I have to yeah. pop that question in here real quick. We're not going to go dive deep in the playoffs. That's for another day. But uh, what yeah. about uh, what about those those two this, this most recent play? The hand oh. pass in overtime, just just absolutely insane. I mean, the the fact that they kind of nitpick which rules can be reviewed and which ones can't, even though it's obvious that it should be reviewed and completely overturned. You know, there's there's a lot of gray areas. I've got personal thoughts about it. I think we'll get on you know one of our other shows or whatever. But uh, that mistake can't happen. I mean, I just that's just egregious. <laughs> the Eddie? fact the fact that they can't review that is is ridiculous i mean it's such a broken system that you can go back and and review an offside that almost had no impact on the goal whatsoever and then you've got a play like that that directly leads to a goal and a goal in a in overtime that leads to a win in a western conference final like that's ridiculous i'm not going to say like san jose could have gone and won that another way but right now it could be a 3-1 series lead for st louis if that had a you know that if that call got called correctly and got called back and then St. Louis goes on and wins that game in overtime and then obviously wins today as well, that's a that's a massive advantage for them and and that's not the first time that's happened with San Jose in, in these playoffs too. So I mean, maybe you can look at it if it's just the first time you say okay whatever. But this is what number three where they've had a call that's directly led to them winning a game now. Yeah, I love the Sharks fans too. I have a, an old coworker I was hitting up on Facebook because I knew I was going to try to rile him up a bit. And uh, I was, he was saying like something about how you know those are the breaks in hockey, and what about that missed call? Well, are you literally saying that a missed call in the second period is just as big as an overtime? Like it's not a missed <laughs> yeah. call in the second period. You can recover from that. If you get scored in an overtime, it's over with. Like it, there's no turning back. Like don't try to tell me that a, a missed delay a game call or a missed interference call earlier in the game is just as significant as an overtime blown call. It's unreal. And my favorite was Pete DeBoer. When they asked if he was lucky, and he basically said that was like disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the breaks that dude's getting, and he <laughs> and he's calling on them being disrespectful. All right, all right, bro, you're high. You're totally yeah. high. All right, well, let's get to Eric Stevens, Eddie. What do we got? He put out an article with I think it was nine or ten things um, looking into the Ducks off season questions yeah. to be answered. 
I have to I have to thank him for giving us a structure for this show. <laughs> Holy moly, the guy did some work. I didn't know how thank we were going to go about this, and he gave just nine topics to perfectly go about. So thanks, uh, Eric Stevens, for that. But uh, his first point was to hire a coach, which I, I thought honestly would be done by now, but obviously it, it really can't be if they're going to go with Dallas Eakins like we think they will because the goals are still in the playoffs right now. So that still has to be done, and it, it's likely that... Dallas Higgins is going to be the guy now because, unfortunately, Ricard Gromberg did not get any offers to coach in the NHL. I I don't know. They didn't really say um, if it was an AHL AHL gig or an assistant coaching gig. They just said he didn't get any offers. I don't know if that was just for a head coaching job or whatever. I would assume he just didn't get offers in general for an assistant coaching job or a head coaching job. So he goes to uh, ZSC Lions. I think that's in Switzerland. That's where Austin Mm -hmm. Matthews played before in his draft year. And now he's off the table, which is really unfortunate. Hopefully down the road he gets something. Uh, but then there was an article. I think Josh Cooper was the first one who broke it uh, with Lane Lambert, who's been a longtime assistant uh, coach for Barry Trotz in Washington and now in uh, the island in the New Islanders. York, uh, that he was going to get an interview with the Anaheim Ducks. So that opens up some more possibilities, not just for Lane Lambert, but the fact that they're going to be interviewing guys. I mean, we pretty much locked this up as being Dallas Akins was going to be the guy who's going to get the job no matter what, and that might still be the case, but now it looks like they are interviewing different guys, and there's, I would assume, more candidates than just... I, I like him already because of his name. I, I don't like to say Lambert. <laughs> I would like to say Lambert. Lambert. Lane Lambert. He's got 283 <laughs> games in the NHL. He's got plenty of coaching experience under Barry Trotz. He's been a winner. His AHL teams are successful, and as uh, Cooper pointed out in that article, he's got a sick flow. He's got, uh, he's got some pretty <laughs> hockey hair. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm right on board. I think that's a that's a really interesting pick. It was kind of a, I guess a sleeper pick. I don't. No one talked about it. I hadn't heard his I, name, honestly. Because I guess they were saying like it wasn't available. Like he wasn't at that point of getting interest. And yeah. now it's like how come no one's looking at Barry Trotz's assistant? Well, there you go. And there he is. Yeah, yeah and there, there's a couple of things. I mean, I, I knew they wouldn't have a, a coach here in the playoffs or have one you know nailed down. Not necessarily that Dallas Eakins was going to be the guy. It's just exactly what Bob Murray said at Bob's big breakfast thing that we oh, uh, that we went to, where he literally said, "We're going to look at coaching once the season's over. That's when they're going to start doing the interviews." He also said, "No one gets the job. It's going to be interviews. We're going to go through the process and figure out who's the best fit." Dallas Eakins, in my opinion, is going to be uh, that guy just because of the success he is having in the AHL, uh, you know, in the third round now, possibly going to the finals, depending on how this series goes. But he's kind of earned that that chance to get in there, and especially if we're going to be bringing in a bunch of guys that he's been coaching for this year, it kind of makes sense. Uh, the, the other guy, Lambert, uh, although makes sense, I mean, he's been in the NHL for quite some time, and he's actually followed trots from nashville to washington Uh to the islanders that i think is a reason why he's probably even if he's getting interviewed probably doesn't really move i think he just is one of those guys that sticks with barry trotz wherever he goes and is just kind of his right hand man and that that system works especially since they're one year removed from a stanley cup together they had uh, a great um run and uh, unexpected season this year and they probably want to try and build on it it'd be surprising to me if he actually just jumps ship and goes to Anaheim, uh, where I think uh, Dallas Eakins is probably the guy now that Gromberg's off the table. I, I think if he gets offered the job, though, you, you got <clears throat> you got to take it. You don't want to be a career assistant, no matter how long you've been with a guy 
for your entire career. Like you said, he's been with Barry Trotz for three different teams now, but I think that's all building up, and you're hoping to get a head coaching job in the NHL. I mean, there's only 31 <coughs> jobs. If you have the chance to get that, I think he's going to take it. Now, I again, I, I always question this. We talk about this with players. When guys play on a line with a very good player, how good are they? You know, in junior, Alex Dabrinkit played on a line with Connor McDavid. Everybody wondered if he was actually that good or not. The same thing kind of goes for this situation, I think, with coaches is how good of a coach is is uh, Lambert? Like, how, how good of a coach is he really if he's with Barry Trotz? Is it because of Barry Trotz, or is he actually going to be a good coach on his own? I think a team has to take a risk on that and whether that, you know, decide if he's going to be a good coach by himself or not. And, I mean, for any coach, you got to take a risk. Like, if Dallas Aikens comes, you got to take a risk to see if he's going to be able to to cut it or not. So I, I think that... Oh, or you could just there. get Michelle Ferry and, and you know, Elaine Vigo <laughs> and get all those guys. You know, the, the regulars are just piling back into an NHL spot because that's what the NHL does. That's why Gromberg didn't get a call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, G- yeah. G- GMs follow, you know, uh, a pattern. And usually when the first shoe drops, everyone kind of scrambles to react to that. That first shoe dropping was Quinville getting hired. Then everyone just started going back to the well of old coaches a late Vigneault gets hired uh mike yo and find his way back <laughs> into the nhl <laughs> i don't know he got hired as an know. assistant or, or is he he's assistant, he's assistant. Uh, terry and, and um, mike yo are assistants to uh lane vino in, in uh, philly, philly. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a structure Dude. that is <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and then patrick was possibly coming back for ottawa, to ottawa. I, mean, I hope so oh I hope yeah, that Gr- Gr- Gromberg's the odd man out at some point. I want, I want him back with his own team. <laughs> I loved him when he was in Colorado. Just the stuff he'd pull behind the bench. He didn't care. No, he's a nutbag. The guy's yeah. a nutbag. He's crazy. Yeah, I, yeah, and uh, you know what better way to put a, a fierce competitor with anger issues on the worst team in the NHL? I wonder how that's going to turn out. Oh, it's going to be excellent, excellent <laughs> it's be TV in the NHL. It's going to be awesome. Everyone's like torts who? I, I don't care. How Look do, at this how guy. How do you make? How do you make the situation in Ottawa more dramatic? You bring in a coach who's probably the, the most dramatic coach we've seen in a long time, maybe bar torts, and put him behind the bench and just what, what's a complete shit show in Ottawa? Like that. That's just that's how you top it off right there. You've already got the owner. You got the GM who's making mistakes, and then you just throw in a coach. It's wag the dog. Sign me <laughs> it's, up. Uh, the, the, the owner and the GM are screwing up so bad. It's like put someone out in front of them so they're not looking at what we're doing. <laughs> Get Patrick Wah. He's crazy. Yeah. Sign me up, guys. <laughs> Sign me right up for that one. I'm excited for Patty Wah to come back. I just, yeah, watched, the thing. I just yeah. watched the thing. I remember him, like one of the funniest things I ever watched live with him is when he thought he had the puck in the playoffs against Detroit, runs out like a Statue of Liberty, Statue only to have Liberty. left. Him. Left the puck in the crease, and I think Shanahan <laughs> tapped it home. I was yeah. like, oh, oh, Patty. Yeah, at least it wasn't against their arch rivals. <laughs> yeah, at least it wasn't yeah. the playoffs, right? <laughs> so this right, has what to we be got Dallas Aikens. No, I got, I, we got we got to finish off this coaching stuff. We, we've talked about everybody but Dallas Aikens. It's going to be Dallas. Job, right? Okay, you're right. You're right. You're it right. has to be his job, right? Because we, the reason we're, you know, we're obviously there's other guys <laughs> who are going to be interviewed, but we've been we've been saying this pretty much. Since I guess the the second the half of the season that this is going to or since Randy Carlo got fired, based off Close comments it, from Bob Murray, this is going to be Dallas Aikens' job. He's taking you know he struggled a bit in the in the last part of the season, but that's because the Ducks pretty much brought up everybody who was good at all from San Diego and, and brought them up and played for the Ducks until the end of the season. Now they've made a, a big run in the playoffs. They got Lindstrom, they got Comtois, so they've got pretty much a full strength team and doing what everybody expected of them. Dallas Aikens, this has to be his job to lose at this point. Like he would have to, 
No, an interview for him is a formality. <laughs> they know what they're going to get from this guy. Somebody would have to just completely wow in an interview or something to try and get this job. I mean, it, obviously it's not concrete because they are interviewing other guys, but I don't see how he doesn't get the job at this point, especially if he wins a Calder Cup. Like that's, If he wins the Calder Cup, he's got it for sure. Very similar yeah. coaching is what I've heard in reading that article too between Lambert and Dallas Eakins. Both guys who are good at communicating, both guys who are younger, um, they're able to get along with the younger players. That sort of that sort of deal. Not your run of the mill, um, old recycled guy that gets in and out of the NHL. So you can kind of see where Bob Murray's looking, and yeah. that, I think that's that's what Cooper's article said. You can kind of see where he's looking here, and I, I kind of feel that where do you, what are you going to put with the? If you, okay, so if you empty out one, you got to refill the other. So yeah. you definitely need a coach in Anaheim. So then you got to refill the job with San Diego. But uh, I still think it's I, yeah, I think you're right. I still think it's Dallas Eakins' job in Anaheim. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot easier to replace an, uh, an AHL goalie than it is to try and find someone for necessarily an NHL job. But yeah, Eakins, in my opinion, he's he's deserved the shot. You, you put him in the AHL. He's done it for a while. He's brought the team up to where it is now. And uh, like he's, like Bob Murray said at, at his uh, breakfast, it was like the the new younger players, which is where they're trying to head. Uh, they they need more explanation and they they want to know a little bit more of, of why they need to do things or how they need to do things. And Dallas Eakins is more of that players type coach, so he's got kind of all the check marks. He's familiar with the young players. He knows how to communicate with them. The style he plays versus what Randy Carlyle played is is much different. And I think if if that moves in, the Ducks should be able to do a little bit better. So. You gave Carlyle a lot of credit there, saying he plays a system or does anything. That's... Yeah, well, it's pretty much <laughs> just go out there and work hard. Just, just get it done. I don't know yeah. what you got to do. All you guys got to do is go out there and win. Just do it, damn it. <laughs> the other thing on Lambert, though, they said that he, he was able to get the, the respect of the Capitals forwards very quickly. That was another thing, too. And he also helped out that penalty kill, which was sixth best when he ran it, which we all know the Ducks could definitely take an improvement here on specialty teams. So Man. if that's any suggestion for, you know, for his credit, I think that's something that uh, the Ducks should take a look at. Um, I think the goals would be better if they could get some goaltending. Honestly, if you guys have been watching the playoffs, it's just been brutal for them. They have well, they all the sport. Uh, they, they got Kevin Doyle back, right? And they got a yeah, shutout. He, he, he played a last night. first game since coming back, so that should help him. Yeah, but the Chicago yeah. Wolves are a good team, but I think if I think you're right. If he can, I think it's still his job anyway. But yeah. if especially if he solidifies this with a Calder Cup. If they go and beat the they Wolves at five or six, yeah. and then they go and play the Marlies, which they're probably going to have to. Akins versus Sheldon Keefe for the Ducks job. Whoever wins the Calder <laughs> Cup. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's no longer a battle for the Calder Cup. It's a battle for who's going to be head coach yeah, in the yeah. Oh, or the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, oh. loser, loser coaches the sense. <laughs> oh, dude. That's not good. All right. All right, no, that's not a good. That's a nightmare scenario. <laughs> so the, the second point he had on here was resolve the Ryan Kessler situation. Then he, in, in brackets, he said, and Patrick Eves. So the, the big news, I guess... Uh, lately has been Kessler had hip surgery that's likely going to keep him out for the 2019-2020 season. He still can return. Apparently there's still a chance he could return. I don't even know why he's uh, trying to at this point. Uh, if you're going to miss an entire season at his age with with just... Uh, he got hip replacement surgery, didn't he? Like, no, he, he had resurfacing. No, they sh- yeah, they shaved him. Oh, okay. <laughs> they grinded way, the bone down in the pocket. That way it's smoother and they put a cap on it so it doesn't have any more grinding in his hip. Sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah, sounds like a blast. I don't he's, he's likely out for <laughs> for this season. 
so that that I think this article came out before that news came out. So that's essentially resolved for now. Is that he's out for this season? He's likely going to be on LTIR. I don't, I don't even want to say likely. He's going to be on LTIR. The Ducks are going to have that cap relief to work with, but not until the season starts. So they're going to have to. I think they have to wait until the beginning of the season to use that cap room. But uh, as of well, we'll get back to him in a second because he said resolve the situation. What happens with Patrick Eves now? Because if he doesn't come back, is he going to take knows. up an LTIR slot? Or are they going to try and move him? Are they going to buy him out? Like That's the only situation that has to be resolved right now. I can't imagine they buy anybody out. They're going to buy anybody out. They're not, not At least not these two. Yeah. They're not ones to do it either. And that's another thing Bob Murray has said is that uh, the owners don't like buying out players uh, if, they, if they don't have to. Uh, they, he doesn't ask very often, um, but he said that it's something he was going to have to kind of address because he's got a couple of different options with that. Either, you know, buy out Kessler, which doesn't make a lot of sense because he's still got quite a bit of money in term where Eves doesn't have nearly as much. And you also got to even look at Corey Perry at, at some point coming up here. If uh, he doesn't work into the plans of what the Ducks are trying to do, those are all kind of buyout candidates, in my opinion. Uh, Eves is just, it's just odd all over. Um, I mean, if he can come in and play, it'd be interesting to see. But I mean, that guy's played a handful of games over the last two seasons dealing with mystery illness, number one or number two. And, uh, you know, it still hasn't been figured out. And so at that point, you just kind of sit back and I guess see what happens. But, um, I mean, he'd either be on long-term IR or he'd be in the minors, uh, and you know, kind of bury. You can bury his contract in there, so that that could be a possibility. Got an update here about uh, <laughs> it's not it's not nothing about this. Just interesting, oh. but the the Sharks and Blues <laughs> in Game Five. Eric Carlson, Joe Pavelski, <clears throat> and Thomas Hurdle left and didn't return in today's game. <laughs> no, they were down five. They lost five nothing. <laughs> I wonder if they just left because they were like, "All right, well, this one's over. We'll just, we'll just yeah, go home." Yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, uh, I was gonna say too, real quick. Um, the whole thing with Ryan Kessler is they're not gonna buy that guy out. I just can't. I can't imagine they're gonna do that. that guy has given literally his life to every team he's played either. for, especially with Anaheim. Uh, he's fought and fought and fought. A guy is like just the you know the epitome of a warrior. And I can't imagine everything he's gone through where they can actually look him in the face and said, "Yeah, we agreed to pay you all this money and we want you on this team," but. Oh, hey, man, now that you're having some problems and you're older now, I know it's business, but the, just the fact that Sam Willies don't like doing this just leads me to believe they're not going to do it on top of the fact they're just they're not going to kick him when he's down, I don't feel like. Because I still think he's going to try to come back. This guy's insane enough to do so. He's that fierce of a competitor. He's Insanity is a, the key word right there. I can't believe he's, A, he's going through the, the surgery, and then he's hoping after essentially missing a year and a half that, like Eddie said, at his age – all of a sudden, he could come back in and be any any real sort of impact. I mean, I don't know, Solani, but Solani had the bet. Yeah, I mean, he had a, a season off after knee surgery, and that's a little bit different than than doing dealing with the hip thing. So, uh, it'd be rough to see in this NHL if he can come in and, and do anything, you know, in the the next season after this. But at the same time, he's getting paid, so retiring is probably something he didn't want to do anyway. So. He's still under uh, under the uh, care of the Ducks, so why not get some free surgery and uh, keep getting paid money no matter Don't what? Don't blame him. Don't blame <laughs> yeah. him. No. So that's, I, I think that might be more of what he's going to do. And then, you know, when all said and done, I, I, it'd be tough. I would think that he'd want to come back. Even if he wanted to, it'd be tough if he could play at the level that the NHL's at now. 
Yep. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think Patrick Eves is more of a question mark than anything because this season coming up will be his last season on his contract. And uh, honestly, if if I felt if he felt like he couldn't play, I could see him retiring. It, you know, he's only going to forfeit what his contract's about just over three, three mil. million. Mm-hmm. He might just retire uh, if the Ducks feel they need that cap space. They could put him on LTIR, but they would have to prove that he can't play. Uh, and and that he can go on there for him, I think it's more of a question mark because we really don't even know what he has still, and if he is healthy to play, or if the his illness is going to come back and prevent him from playing, or he just has some other type of injury. With Kessler, it's more clear cut. We know what happened. He has hip surgery. He's likely out for the entire season. There's no reason they should even try and bring him back for this year at all, anyway, because the Ducks aren't going to be competitive and. Having him in the lineup, they weren't even really any more competitive. But, I mean, having Ryan Kessler in the lineup, say, over Sam Steele or even Isaac Lindstrom, is he going to be able to provide more injured? Or even like, even if he comes back and is what he was last year, he's not going to really provide more than what those guys have anyway. So, the, in my opinion, there's no reason he should come back. I understand he's a competitor and he wants to play again and he wants to play healthy again. But I, I feel like he, he's kind of done right like there's no way he's going to come back and play this year or, or i think ever again really for anaheim there's no we'll way see at, we'll, we'll see after this year yeah <laughs> not this year he's not playing this year yeah i, don't, I think no this way. year is done yeah. and with eves especially he's if he plays he's going to play in the minors they don't need another winger they need to let the kids come back and play uh, they really need to make room for that and we're going to get to with the whole problem with perry on that too because steven's okay. made a great point in his article when he's talking about court perry <laughs> um that's the next and point we have next. anyway. <laughs> his, uh, his third point was put buying out Corey Perry under consideration. So Corey Perry's contract right now, uh, what was it? It's like eight, yeah, eight point six two five million for this year and next year. If they bought him out, I think uh, I haven't checked the buyout calendar uh, calculator in a while, but it would cost him a significant amount of money to buy him out on the cap, and it would be over. Uh, Let's see here. Let me see. It would only save two million dollars a year. Yeah. So yeah, they, cap space. Yeah. If they if they bought them out, the final cap hit that they would have would cost two point six two five next year. And then randomly, it would cost six point six two five in the year after that, and then two million for the final two years is what it would cost. So it it really hurt them in 2020, 2021 in cap hit, and then it would just be around two million for the other three years. It's not the worst idea ever, but you have to make sure you're good for 2020 2021 because that you're going to have six and a half million dollars on a cap hit for a guy who's not even playing in your organization anymore i mean when you're talking about jacob silverberg andre kasha troy terry daniel sprung just those guys right there as wingers they need to come up yeah. and have room and you're going to say that a guy with a bum knee uh who's well past his prime and it's just had like a, an unfortunate really steep downturn is going to be sitting in that slot instead mm, i don't like it I think if if he can embrace playing a third or fourth line role, there's a spot for him, not necessarily at his salary, but at the same time, we're talking about bringing in a bunch of younger players and that sprung contract even next year or this upcoming year is still really team friendly. Um, and they can usually try and do some maneuvering around and since they have some young wingers that are going to be coming up on entry-level contracts, Keeping him on and not having to pay him out for the next few years might be something else that they want to possibly do just because they're not going to be hit too hard with wingers. So, I mean, uh, it's a possibility to buy him out, but then you're paying more and having more of a salary cap for 
you know, twice the contract versus letting them just play out the last two years of that contract and be done with it. So, I mean, they'll, they'll do their own little cost analysis on it. But I think, um, you know, as long as he's willing to embrace a third or fourth line role, his minutes are going to be diminished uh, and not necessarily stop anyone. But that gives us a little bit of depth, too, if someone gets injured, which seems to happen nonstop every damn season. For the last, you know like, I mean? five years, it's been horrific. <laughs> it just does not who matter. Did, so I'd want to keep him around maybe just for that. Who did you name off as guys on the right wing? It's Cassius Sprong, Terry, Terry Silverberg, right? Uh, Silver, yep. You got to throw, throw Kiefer Sherwood in that mix, too, because I'm sure they don't want been to send, send him down to San Diego, and, and I think he deserves another shot at getting a roster spot. And even Ricard Raquel, too, who has played on the left and the right both, both times this season. So... There's potentially five or six guys who could take up a right wing slot, especially when you, you think on the left side, Maxim Comtois is going to get another shot. You've got Max Jones. You've got some of the centers who could come up that might have to shift to the wing, and that was focus on the left side as well. If Ricard Raquel plays on the left side, that, that factors in over there as well. So there's a, there's a lot of roster spots, and you know, Corey Perry, if he's in the lineup, if he's on the team, he has to play. You're not going to bench a guy who's making over $8 million. Yeah, maybe he'll accept a lower role, but then maybe you are blocking some of these guys who aren't going to play. And, uh, you know, as in our chat, Devin Shore is going to be back too. If they don't have him playing center, he's going to have to take up a wing spot. Carter Rowney's going to oh, have to take up a wing spot. He's going to have to play center. He's going to have to play yeah. center. He might, but Sam Steele's going to play center. If Adam Henrique is still there, Adam Henrique's going to play center. Getzlaff's going to play center. Carter Rowney could play center if they want Shore. If yeah, if Lindstrom comes up and plays, then he'll play center as well. There's a lot of competition for roster spots next year, so I think that's why Eric Stevens proposed this, is they should consider it. If they think all these guys are going to be able to play next year and they don't want to play them in San Diego, maybe you consider buying up Corey Perry, making that roster room, and just making sure you're good for that 2020-2021 season where that cap hit's going to be the highest. Because other than that, $2 million's not too bad to work with over four different years. All right, let's, let's do this. Do we, do, <laughs> do, I'm going to ask you guys real quick. Eve, no. buyout, yes or no? Mm. No. No. No, I'm saying. Kessler, buyout, yes or no? Not anymore. No. Can't do just it. L, just LTIR, no. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really going to hurt us. So Perry, buyout. For me, it's yes. Yeah, I, I think you consider it. I think you consider it. It all depends. I on, don't. On, just yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I have no idea. No, I was just gonna say. It's, <laughs> I was just gonna say. It all depends on on um, how many guys you think are gonna make the roster from the younger players next year, and and how how desperate the Ducks are to move them out of San Diego. If they want to leave them down there for another year, then they don't have to buy with Corey Perry. Yeah, that's where I'm thinking. I'm saying no to buying out Corey Perry. There's only two more years. Yes, at at quite a hit, but at this point, they plan on doing much, uh, you know, a lot more of a youth movement. And Corey Perry is going to be one of those last contracts off the books. Keep him on there for now. You can play those other guys that you that are close to, or you would think might make that step to the NHL. Let them play those top line minutes in the AHL. Get some real experience, and let Corey Perry play the third or fourth line role. Uh, for a little bit and you know if he doesn't like it then you're gonna have to play either but um i would say that uh putting him down there keeping him around in case injuries happen to kasha who seems to be injured every year even Corey perry gets injured every now and again and then you'll have those guys from the minors that can make that jump up and show what they can do in the nhl so i keep him in there as more of an insurance not as someone that's going to propel our team to greatness that's the that's the the flip side of it if you're going to keep perry all that's going to do is like guys who are really good marinate longer in the NHL for one more year. 
which two is years, fine. two years, two years max. And I think right. that's a good idea. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And everyone tends to think, oh, they're in the AHL. They're being hampered. They can't play. It's like, well, really? They play nine, no. ten minutes in the and the NHL? Comtois needs yeah. it. I, I don't want to see Comtois full-time. There's full certain, certain players that should yeah. jump. Yeah, I would love to see Max just destroy in the AHL for another season or two and then come up. That's he's kind of had a weird year. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a regular next year. He'll get a uh, look, but he's not yeah. going to be a regular. He's the easiest guy to send down, but I, I think Max Jones has earned it. I think he's earned it to, to get a spot. You know Nick Ritchie is going to get a spot on the left side because he's still around. You know Ricard mm-hmm. Raquel is. Uh, the, there's going to be tight spots on the roster. And, and, you know, the fourth point he brings up in the article kind of touches on that as well is trade Adam Henrique or should we keep him? Because now at center it's going to be Getzlaff, Sam Steele, Adam Henrique, and whoever they decide to have on the fourth line. Adam Henrique takes up a roster spot, maybe in a position where the Ducks don't have have as much young players coming up. When you look at how how many spots are they're they're going to be competing for on the right on the right wing and the left wing, at center, it, I guess it's less of a question of who's going to come up. We we talked about Isaac Lindstrom being a possibility. I think Antoine Moran will get a look, but I, I think he's eligible for San Diego next year, so he'll probably just start down there. So he should, yeah, he should yeah. definitely should. Oh, he definitely should. There's potential for some guys to come up, but. Adam Henrique has signed, I think, as long as anybody now uh, on the Ducks forward group. I think him and Cam Fowler and Gibson are the ones signed the longest. Yeah, him uh, and Silverberg. Silverberg and uh, Adam yeah. Henrique go into 2023-2024 as their last season with the Ducks. Should they keep him or should they trade him? Because he's now, what, 29? Yeah, he's 29 now. So When does his NTC kick in? Uh, I believe on the next contract. So the, until July 1st? He has like a ten-team yeah, no first, trade clause, yeah. yeah. So that kicks in there. Um, it's modified. It's a modified no no trade clause. I, I you need to keep him for at least a couple seasons, and then you can try to boot him. But I wouldn't hold on to Henry for two, for longer than two years. If you could trade <laughs> him after that, it's just too big of a contract to a guy that's probably if his peak is fifty points, he's probably going to start slipping at that at that age. And I mean, he's probably more of a third line center. And he's going to have to play bigger minutes with, with Ryan Kessler not playing. He's just going to have to. So it's going to be a tough go for Adam Henrique. Not a bad player at all. I like him. I just think that his his usage in Anaheim is just, I mean, hopefully under a new system and a new coach, we see everyone kind of kick it up a notch. But I'd be shocked to see him um, play better than he did last year or the year before. I think he's a 50-point guy. The, uh, my my opinion is he came he came in about halfway or so through the season two seasons ago. He got this chance to play this season and like everybody else during uh, Randy Carlisle's time, suffered, didn't play well, no, nothing worked. And then once the 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 reins of that were released, all of a sudden you started to see these guys kick in goals. All of a sudden Silverberg scoring you know twice as many goals as he had the, the whole season. Uh, Henrique played better too. Um, you can look at it one of two ways. You can either look at it what you would do or what you would want or what Bob Murray is going to do. And Bob <laughs> Murray, what Bob Murray likes to do is... is overpay players. Nah, well, besides that, um, uh, he likes to build through the center uh, of the lineup, which means he wants to have centers, defense, and goaltending. Wingers, he'll move in and out and place all around. But he says you have to have strength through the center. And right now, not having Henrik and not having Kessler, you have Getzloff and a whole bunch of other kids that haven't quite made that jump just yet to, to second-line center status. So I don't think you can really get rid of him unless you have someone that's going to be able to kind of strengthen the center lineup. 
Uh, so in my opinion, I would definitely keep him. I would love to see what he does under a new structure. Uh, if he can maybe get past that 50 points and closer to 60. And I think he could possibly do that under the right structure. Last season was a bad season to do it. The year before that was half a year with Randy Carlisle. He still did decently well. And if anything, you get consistency out of him. So even if he hits 50 points, that's not too bad in a center role. So, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of an overpayment. But, I mean, this is a guy that I think can really still produce and I'd rather see what he can do over the next couple of seasons. If he starts improving on that 50 points, I don't see why you'd necessarily move him off. If Getzloff starts getting older, we don't have a, a huge number one center after that. So we're, we got a little bit of strengthening to do, and I, I'd hate to get rid of our top two centers. I, I think you keep him for now, and you, you see how he does next year. Maybe you, you keep him around for another year after that. And then you, you kind of assess where you're at. Because I think Sam Steele will solidify himself as a regular this upcoming season. I think Isaac Lindstrom might either need you know another year of kind of development in between the AHL and the NHL next year. And then maybe the year after you can kind of evaluate where you are with him. See if you need another year of Adam Henrique. And then we also have to look at who the Ducks are going to draft this year at number 9. If they take a center and that guy's about two or three seasons away, I think that's when you... you, you kind of figure out how long you're going to keep Adam Henrique for. And I think you keep him for at least two seasons, and then you assess and see how far along your prospects are and, and if any of these guys need to jump into the lineup. He's a good stopgap option to have. He's, he's making a little bit more than he should, but it's not good, like it's going to break the bank. He is a pretty consistent 50-point guy. I don't believe, even in a new system, unless he has like a one-off year that he's going to hit 60 or even 70. I don't think he's that type of player. But 50 points isn't bad. He's a good second-line center to have on your team. And like Jason said, once Getzlaff's gone, he's a nice option to have as a veteran guy. And you're going to have a lot of young centers on this team. So he is a, a guy you could keep around for the entirety of his contract. But we all assume Ryan Getzlaff is going to come back no matter what. Obviously not for he the is. same amount of money. Oh, come on. He's going but to. But at that point, you're going to have issues fitting guys into the lineup. So I think once Getzlaff re-signs that new deal, whatever it is, that's probably when they explore moving Adam Henry because they might not need him at that point with some of the younger guys solidifying the in the top six. I've been saying it for months. No one realizes how good Ryan Getzloff is, and they're going to be so sad. They think all these kids are just going to be able to step in and fill that role, and they don't understand how good Getzloff is. Getzloff's a Hall of Famer. You don't get those every year. You don't get those every two, three years. You have to be lucky and get – and that draft was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ryan Getzloff's a Hall of Fame player. And he's a beast at center. He does all kind. Without him driving play, it, there is just no Anaheim offense most of the time with the way this team's been the past couple of seasons. So, um, sure, the young guys are coming up, but for everyone to think like all these young guys need to get these shots, got to get these guys up in the NHL. It's like <laughs> get, give them the rest. They're they're not <laughs> Ryan Getzloff. They're just not Ryan Getzloff. Getzloff is just an amazing player, and he's going to be sorely missed. Everyone's going to blink, and it's going to be oh, his career is going to be over within a few years. And they're like, holy hell, we missed that guy. Where is that guy? We don't have a play driver. Why do we suck at center all of a sudden? He's been a top eight, <laughs> top seven center his entire career. The guy's been amazing. Um, and so for anyone to think that anyone's just going to be able to step in and take that role is just insane to me. It, yeah. It's insane. He's not a Corey Perry situation. Perry's a good player. He's not He's not a Hall of Famer. He's not Ryan Getzloff. So mm-hmm. I, I agree. you got to assess where we're at probably after the expansion draft with Adam Henrique to see what, what he's doing to see if Getzloff's going to resign. Then you reassess that. You have to keep him here right now, especially with Ryan Kessler not playing. So uh, you can't trade Adam Henrique yet. You just can't do it. 
Yeah, I think I think for, no matter what, he's going to be back next season, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But the the fifth point Eric Stevens had again, it, it still kind of touches on the the roster movement and different acquisitions or trades, and he put in here shake up the new core or stick with it. So I, I think that means more so move out some of the the younger guys, whether it be uh, Ricard Raquel, we heard talk about that, or Cam Fowler uh-huh. or Hampus Lindholm, uh, and and maybe I, I I'm assuming. That's what he means when he says the new core, because the old core is Ryan Getzlav and Corey Perry and Ryan Kessler. I think the new core, he means, is the guys around you know, 24, 25, 26 that Bob Murray talked about saying that he didn't like. I think mm. he said something along the lines he didn't like how they were, the, their leadership or how they were, they were um, com- competing leader, leader or grits. whatever. Leader yeah. grits, <laughs> what do they call it? Yeah, leader grits. I can't, I can't remember exactly what he said, but do you, do you think they should shake up the core, maybe go a free agent route and bring in some guys? There's not a lot of headlining free agents this year, or maybe go out through trades and trade guys like Ricard Raquel, or do they just stick with it and, and hope it works? You can't I, trade team-friendly deals. I'll say that. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, no, I, I would say no, not necessarily. I think he made a lot of those comments, too, when uh, he was trying to find an excuse to keep Randy Carlisle. Uh, that's when he was trying to say a whole lot of uh, the 20-somethings need to really step up because they're not doing it. And I don't want to behold, fire my best friend. Yeah, and then they fire the coach, and you know it wasn't exactly you know out of the gate amazing. They kind of did 500 for a little while, but I mean you could physically see those players playing well. I think he's uh, developed a better appreciation for some of those players because he, once again, at that that breakfast, he, to me, he revealed a lot where he was he was ready to move on. It, it seemed like Silverberg was probably that guy that he was that ready was to just just guy. can, just can. And then once he got behind the bench and he saw what 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 people were doing, he, he de- developed a new perspective on it. So I don't think that that still rings true for him anymore. I think he kind of knows much better of what he's got. He might try and move things around. Uh, but he seemed more upset at the, the veteran players when he was talking about them. It's just they weren't accepting the fact that younger guys are going to come in and um, on those newer contracts and get a little bit more playing time. But that's the new <laughs> NHL. <laughs> I think I think repair. I think uh, – I think Getzloff, I think it's just, you know, we had to pay our dues. That was the old NHL. You had to pay your dues before you got that time. Younger players with, you know, the quickness of the NHL, they get a little bit more time, a little bit quicker now. And the older guys like, what? I had to wait so long to get to that point. They're getting it a lot quicker. And they might bitch and moan a little bit. Uh, I don't think you get rid of 24, 25-year-olds, especially the ones we have. You, you, you're talking about the Raquels, the Kashas. I mean, those are the guys... I would still keep on the line. Um, you know, Richie might be an option. Um, and then Bob Murray is a defenseman by trade before he ever became a GM. And he's not really going to get rid of anything that he's helped to develop and has faith in. And I think he he's got a lot of faith. Know, right? in, like, and he's it got goes home, kind he's got of Fowler, and he's got everything. They've yeah. always been like this feed of, of defensemen. And now they're the feed, this feed of, of forward prospects. There's yeah. not a lot of, to look at that's flashy on, on D. There's just not a lot coming back. So if you start trading yeah. off guys, you better hope you get a, a steady return on defense because you're asking yeah. for it at that point. If you're trading Cam Fowler or Hampus Lindholm, you're getting a you're hoping you get either a first round pick where you can draft a defenseman in this year's draft or next year's draft, or you're getting one of the best defense prospects that that team has and hopefully that would be one of the better defense prospects in the league because you, you just can't you can't do it right now I mean you don't trade Hampus Lindholm at the deal he's on you don't trade Ricard Raquel at the deal he's hey, on you don't ever trade Hampus Lindholm no yeah. you don't, yeah. you don't. Never he's ever. untouchable <laughs> untouchable maybe, for life just maybe sign him a lifetime contract 
yeah, maybe you try and trade Cam Fowler. We've we've talked about that, and I think there's still a fair amount of people who want him traded. Uh, but like you said, you you better hope you get a defenseman in return because right now on the left side it's it's Ham Hampus Lindholm, Brendan Gooley, and then you've got uh, Jakob Larson and Josh Mahura. So you know uh, there's uh, some uh, very good guys. They put they put Cammy on the other side and put Brendan Gooley with him, and they played well until Gooley got an oblique injury. Yeah. So did, there's that. Yeah. But for left-handed guys, that's what they have. If Cam Valor was to get traded, you would assume that a lefty would replace him on the, on the left side, and they were just they're going to have to go out and look for a right-handed defenseman. And, that, and, and Eric Stevens gets into that later. But you know, if you trade Cam Valor, you've got to bring in a defense prospect or a high first-round pick in this year's draft to go out and get a defenseman because they need something in the system. They specifically need a right shot defenseman in their system because they don't have any at all there's none in the in the top 15 of the draft though that really kind of you know blow your skirt up it's all forwards centers yeah and left shot defenseman (laughs) the bowen Bowen byram could go in the top five he's a he's a very very good player but he's a left shot defenseman kings are taking him i would yeah i think so yeah (laughs) but rob blake's not gonna pass that up but uh, let's let's move on to the second part because we we kind of already got into it a bit. Or the the, the sixth point. Wait, real quick, real quick. Time. Yeah, Jason, where's our watch party on June first for the Stanley Cup Finals? Yeah, so we're gonna go uh, back to Lampos just for a little bit. This is not gonna be like a traditional Ducks watch party because <laughs> guess what? <laughs> we're not in the Stanley Cup Finals. But well, we want to have fun. But we want to have fun and we want to hang out with everybody. It feels like it's already been too long since the last one we had. So. If you guys want to, uh, it's the uh, Yorba Linda West uh, Lamppost Pizza. I do not remember the actual address it is, but we'll be posting it out for sure, Twitter and all the social media. But it's going to be June, uh, June 1st, uh, Saturday. I think the game is going to be is already scheduled for 5 p.m. Yep. So if you want to come out, we're going to reserve a spot in the bar section. That's already been confirmed. So uh, you get uh, up-close personal uh, hangout with us. Sorry. But you also get to be really close to beer, so that's a plus. And then you the get good to watch beer coffee. selection. Good, and, gra- and, and a great beer selection. And as much as way. I love Craftsman, there's no train that there's caught no me off guard. Hong Kong. I'm really sorry about the train, but it's at one seven five six eight Yorba Linda Boulevard, Yorba Linda, California. Like Jay said, we'll post it, so you don't have to remember it because I'm not going to remember that either. Um, <laughs> but it'll be at five o'clock, which means Jay and I will be there at four o'clock, and we'll be drinking and, and we'll be drunk by five. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're hoping you guys want to come just have fun. Let's all root against uh, the Sharks if they make it or the Bruins, depending on who's in the final. St. Um, Louis. Either way. If San Jose loses, I'm just the most happy person ever to go to that watch yeah. party. And I just hope Boston loses because I hate them. I just can't let the Sharks win. I just can't do it. But anyway, yeah. hey, we can get back to it. I just, we just have to pop that. <laughs> no, I say, I, it better be St. Louis. Uh, that's all. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not watching it. Um, anyway, number six. The sixth point Eric Stevens had is what we kind of talked about is an identify a number four defenseman or get one. I think specifically for the Ducks, it should be a right shot defenseman. They brought in and signed uh, Yanni Hakanpa, Hakanpa or whatever sure. from Finland. Yep. Nailed it. Uh, Nailed they brought it. him in. He, he seems more of like a Caribbean Holzer type of replacement because he doesn't seem yeah. like Holzer's going to come back. But should the Ducks either identify number four in their system, whether that's Brendan Gooley, whether that's Jakob Larson, maybe Josh Maher if he can make the job next year, or should they go out and get one? I don't know the, the caliber of guy you can get in a trade and free agency 
there's really only three guys who jump off the page, and that's Eric Carlson, Tyler Myers, and Anton Strawman. Other than that, 65, baby. Yeah. Let's do it. Other than Let's that, you are, uh, you're going to have to go in a trade and try and get one of the Ducks who just traded away, right? Shot defenseman and Brandon Montour. So I think, honestly, it's, it's either they, they pick Brandon Gooley to be the number four, or they, they maybe try and go big in free agency and go after Myers or Eric Carlson, but I, I don't think it happens. I see I Brandon Gooley. Yeah, I see Gooley as uh, I think they want to maybe give him another chance since he got injured, but he did work so well with Cam Fowler, and that has turned out to be a freaking Rubik's Cube. Just try and find something that fits and works with Cam Fowler on a consistent basis. Uh, that that doesn't happen often. I think the last one was Dupre uh, uh, before he got hurt. I think that was the last time I saw a real consistent, good lineup between you know Fowler and anybody else. So I'm sure they maybe want to give that, but I think that they probably go with a little bit more insurance. Another thing Bob Murray said is that he wants a big shot defenseman to man the point, and he wants a right-handed shot defenseman as well because we're so short on that. And he Do you remember when guy. he mentioned what? Shea Weber? <laughs> Do you remember when he's like, oh, no. oh, we'd all love to have a Shea Weber. Well, Shea Weber at the beginning <laughs> of his career. So in that respect, I think uh, Carlson's way too far off of uh, our thing. We don't go after free agents and so now i Once feel that yeah, so i think uh, myers might be a fit i mean something that we could might fit underneath the cap i mean what bob murray's probably looking for uh because other than that i don't think anything we have in the, in the system is gonna meet what bob murray is still trying to look for and that is a big shot defenseman to man that power play you know that point shot and that power play has got to get better and he knows it so i think he might find a way to, to wiggle some money around and, and might get him because that's a little that's a guy you might be able to get a little bit more bang for your buck. Just depends how much other teams are willing to pay for him too. Yeah, yeah in my opinion Tyler Myers isn't that guy. If you're getting a, a big defenseman who can man the power play with a big shot, yeah he scored nine goals last year, but he isn't really that power play quarterback, which is what the Ducks need. You know, the only guy available in free agency that kind of fits that tag is Eric Carlson, and I don't think that that's even possible for the Ducks. You know how much money he's going to get. I don't think they go that route, or if they can even go that uh, that route with the, the amount of money Eric Carlson's going to want. And other than that, I mean, Anton Strawman, he's no longer that type of guy. And, I, you know, unless you're signing him to a one- or a two-year deal, that would be for a team who's going to be competitive and is going to try and compete for the Stanley Cup, which I don't think the Ducks are going to do, and I don't think going out and getting Anton Strawman would be the route for that. So maybe it's to a trade, or maybe you just you hope you, you hit on somebody in the draft and go that route, because he went to Europe, he got a right-shot defenseman, maybe not the one we expected. There was, I think Oliver Kasky was uh, the top point scorer in Finland among defensemen, and he was the guy that was tagged as a power play quarterback. Nobody signed him yet, so maybe he can go back there and get him, but that would be the type of guy he'd need to go get from Europe. Other than that, I mean... I think he stands pat. I, I don't think he goes out and gets one in a trade. I don't think they want to move any assets out to try and bring in a defenseman because they just got rid of Brandon Montour. So I, I, What did I think... you guys think of the free agents that that Eric Stevens talked about in his article? How did you guys feel about those? He mentioned quite a few different ones, didn't he? That uh, or No, it wasn't Eric Stevens. It was Scott Burnside for the athletics. So potential free agent targets were not none of them were defensemen. Jordan Eberle, Anders Lee, Matt Zuccarello, Gustav Nyquist, and Ryan Dezingle. And he said the best fit was Ryan Dezingle. For the Ducks? Of the Columbus... Yeah, that was that was Scott Burnside's uh, article of The Athletic on May, thir- May 13th, so just a few days ago, about a week ago. I, I, don't, I don't think any of that makes sense when the Ducks... Neither the right shots defend 
Well, they're, yeah, they're, I, they I don't need that. a forward. They don't need a forward. They don't need. They, if they're going to go and get a forward, it's going to be a guy who can play in your bottom six to try and maybe move these the, the rookies and the younger guys up in the lineup. You don't need to go out and get a Jordan Eberle or a Ryan DeZingle or a Matt Zuccarello. As good as they would be, you know, I, I think Jordan Eberle playing with Ryan Getzlaff would be great. I think Matt Zuccarello is a really good player. And, and I think in, a, in a, a season where maybe the Ducks, I thought the Ducks could be more competitive, I'd be all for it. But at this point, it doesn't make sense. And they're going to probably want, you know, four or five-year deals in free agency that I don't think the Ducks should go out and do. They just re-signed Jakob Silverberg. It'd be kind of weird to re-sign him for over $5 million and then go out and get another guy who's going to compete for that roster spot at arguably the same price, if not more, and push Jakob Silverberg down to the third line at a $5 million price tag. It just wouldn't make any sense. Yep. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I have no problem with them taking one of those. Forwards, that, that, I have no problem with that. I just I hope they they fill the hole on defense too. And then he's talking about a college kid. We're a great college city now because there's room here for college kids. Or I want a, a European defenseman. Yada yada yada. So whatever he does on that end, if they went out and got let's say a no name defender to slot in lower than four, then you go out and trade somebody and you get one of these guys. Not really a problem. I think, it, you know, someone to play along that wing with uh, Ryan Getzloff and Ricard Raquel is pretty damn invaluable because it just hasn't been a thing. We've tried literally everybody. They, they put everybody up there and no one can hang. I, I want to see Kasha up there. I want to see him on a consistent yeah. basis up there. Well, for the next part, this is probably the only other place the Ducks are going to go out and get a defenseman that could be of that caliber. And uh, the seventh point Eric Stevens had was to hit on that rare top 10 draft pick. The Ducks don't get a lot of them. They have number nine this year. They're going to need to hit on this pick. This, this can't be a bust for them. You know, they're, they're not going to be here in this position that long. You know, Maybe next year, but I don't see them being that bad where they're going to consistently get you know top 10 picks year after year after year with some of the young players they have coming up, especially having John Gibson in net. So you've got to hit on this pick. You know th- This has been a bad year. You can't, it can't be a bust. It can't be a Nick Ritchie. It's got to be a guy who eventually is going to slide into your top six, whether that's a center in Trevor Zegres or Kirby Doc or Dylan Cozens, or if it's a defenseman, if they go out and get Soderstrom or if Byron falls that, that, that far or Cam York or whoever. No matter who they drafted, this guy eventually has to be a solid part of their top six. Hopefully, if it's a forward of a 50, 60, 70 point guy. What about Peyton Krebs? I mean, anybody, right? I mean, he, he's, a, he's a good option. And, and you know, that's, I think we're going to get into specifics on guys in our draft show. But if they draft him, he's got he's to be a hit. You know, no matter who they get, they have to make sure they go with the right guy, and he has to be a solid part of this lineup for the future because they, they can't risk it. They can't have another Nick Ritchie-type scenario because they need this player. I mean, they drafted Nick Ritchie thinking he was going to be that left wing that the Ducks needed for so long to play with Ryan Getzloff. That didn't turn out, and how long were the Ducks looking for that type of player? Arguably, that type of player could have pushed them over the hump and got them to the Stanley Cup Finals and won them a Stanley Cup. They never got it. Nick Ritchie was supposed to be that guy. They can't do it again. They, they, they can't go through that again. They need a guy who can eventually slide into that top six and be a regular contributor, be one of the best players on their team. <laughs> I felt so bad for Nick Ritchie because it's like they, they drafted him and it was the, the prototypical guy that you wanted in the NHL. Power forward, he can play the wing. And it wasn't just he can play with Getzloff. He can play with Getzloff and Perry. 
And you thought that that was just a match made in heaven, all power forwards. And that was what was so good about Getzloff and Perry was that they would just dominate. Add another big dominant forward around there. That was supposed to be just perfect. And he killed it in the AHL, but he just it didn't quite transfer. And then the NHL changed like that. And he got stuck on the outside kind of looking in. He's tried to get a little bit better and did, but he's still not quite where he needs to be. I mean, Peyton Krebs, uh, you know, Eric Stevens and Corey Promen both like that guy. And I think that they would know more about prospects than us. I mean, uh, he's a, he's five foot eleven, a little on the smaller side. Oh, Jason obviously knows more, but uh, said he fits the Ducks bill. <laughs> I know way more. <laughs> uh, competitive playmaker who skates ball, has high high hockey IQ. Anaheim can use centers that can pass the puck like a Ryan Getzloff does so well, particularly in his prime. Steel can dish the biscuit, and so can Krebs, who had forty nine assists this season and nearly double the amount of the next closest teammate on a team that struggled all year. Ah, oh, sounds familiar. Welcome to Anaheim. Um, <laughs> Promman also liked him. Good hockey sense, brings a lot of dimension to Anaheim. So he's one. I always like Dylan Cozens, though. I just think he's going to get picked higher than, uh, than what the Ducks are going to be looking at, unfortunately. Yeah, honestly, right now, if you want to go center, th- there should be one of them available. We know Jack Hughes, Cabo Caco are going to go 1-2. I would have to assume somebody takes a defenseman in the top five, so Bowen Byram's probably going to go up there, especially the fact that he led the WHL in scoring in the playoffs, and uh, unfortunately his team missed out on going to the Memorial Cup. But that only solidifies his draft ranking, I think, in the top five. I would assume Pold Colson probably still goes in that mix. He was always number three, and he's kind of slid a bit, but I think one team... Maybe L.A. will take a shot on him. And then they like there, Russians in L.A. now. Yeah. Makes sense. And, and then if, if that's how it goes, <laughs> you've got you know five more picks into the Ducks, and you've got five centers there. You've got Cozens, Turcotte, Dax, Zagris, and Peyton Krebs. One of them should be available for the Ducks at number nine. And I, I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. I mean, there's obviously guys I would like over others, but I think they're all going to be good players. If the Ducks want to go and get a right-handed defenseman, maybe they do that. The only guy I think warrants a top-ten pick could be Victor Soderstrom. If they want to go in and get that guy who could be a number four eventually on the right side and bring in a really good right-handed defenseman, maybe they do that. I don't think they should. You can get a defenseman later in the draft, but that's an option for them. And there's some wingers. I mean, if Paul Colson falls that far, maybe you go that way. I don't think Bob Murray's going to draft a Russian, so that's probably not going to happen. Uh, uh, uh. We draft the best player available in the first round, according to Bob Murray. Yeah, unless he's Russian. <laughs> yep. <laughs> unless he's Russian. Yeah. Who's the most recent <laughs> Russian player to play for Anaheim? I don't know. Oh, that's a Chief quiz stuff. question. I was going to say that. That's right. I, I, I just didn't Chief think it had been that. No, Fedorov? Was Fedorov? Fedorov was one. That was uh, for sure. Five, oh four. Yeah. Vizhnevsky was still there. Let's see. Uh, Brzgalov. Brisgala, Brisgala, oh, yeah. no, Kudobin. Anton Kudobin. No, uh, he's, he's Russian? He's no, he's Kazakhstan. He's Kazakhstan, yeah. Is he? I thought he was Russian. Kazakhstanian. Yeah. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Anton <laughs> um, anyway, Kudobin is a Kazakhstanian Russian yeah. professional ice hockey player. He's well, but he from played from Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan in the Olympics. Son of a gun. Oh, all right. <laughs> Anyway, to finish my point for wingers, they, they can also they can also go Matthew Boldy or or Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield played with Jack Hughes, and set a set a U.S. national development team record for goals this year. I think he scored like sixty, almost seventy goals over the entire season, and, and just from tournament play and through his regular season. Uh, the only problem with him is he's five nine, so there's still the question mark. I know size doesn't matter as much in the NHL anymore, but there's always that question mark. <laughs> 
on uh, on guys coming up, and he has the same problem that Alex DeBrinkett has: is how, how good is he really? Or is it Jack Hughes, right? Is it Jack Hughes? Because Jack Hughes is a generational talent. Is he benefiting from playing with Jack Hughes, or is he really that good? There's, you know, you can look at the Alex Debrinkit situation and say, yeah, maybe you know he's going to turn out to be like Debrinkit. And Debrinkit is very good, or is it like Dylan Strom, who people had the same question mark with Dylan Strom and uh, Connor McDavid, and Dylan Strom struggled a bit. That that's you know the two outcomes you can yeah. possibly get, right? So do you take him? At nine, pass up on the center, make Krebs, and pass up maybe on Matthew Boldy and go with Cole Caulfield. I mean, the Ducks could use a guy like that if he pans out, a guy who could score 30 or 40 goals. But I think he's the biggest risk to take at that spot. I don't know, because you'd also look at a Panarin, too, and you would think, oh, yeah, well, he was playing you know, with Chicago, and he was playing with Kane, and that's our deal. And then they got rid of him, and he just killed it. So... I, I I think uh, if he's he's good and young and quick, I think uh, you give you. I don't think as much as a risk as he might have been in the past. Yeah, I, I you got to you got you got to look at Russians. You have to look at Russians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he could he could uh, he could uh, retire and go play in the KHL. You never know. Yeah, true. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not worried about <laughs> about his size in Cole Crawford. I, I just always worry about those guys who play with. You know the the top guys. You always hear about them. They always get drafted a bit higher, and sometimes they pan out, sometimes they don't. It almost seems like fifty fifty in whether they pan out or not. And there's always the question mark. I mean, that's why Debrinket fell to the second round. It's because everybody, scouts included, said, "Oh, he played with Connor McDavid. How good is this kid really?" Because Katie's really good. He's good. Yeah, and and it turns out he's he's a very good player. He's a thirty forty goal scorer in the league consistently. So. Maybe Cole Caulfield is, is going to be that type of guy. Debrinket was small as well, and another reason he fell. So if he falls to nine, he could end up being a very good pick for the Ducks. It depends which route they want. They, they, they have all the options in the world. They could go center wing or defenseman, and likely it will pan out in their favor no matter which way they go. But uh, like you said, I think they're going to go best guy available, and that's probably going to be a center at that point. Debrinket's one of my favorites uh, to talk about with that because there was an interview last year when someone was interviewing Jonathan Taves. And they're like asking, oh, how do you feel about Debrinkat? And you're like, huh, who's what? You know, Alex Debrinkat. He's like, oh, Kitty. We call him Kitty. <laughs> this this freaking nickname on the Blackhawks is Kitty. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> God, 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 talk about Kitty. know his own name, his actual name. <laughs> it's like Debrinkat. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah, All so right. he's got to have a good nickname. Let's, yeah, no, he uh, has to. Let's move on to number eight. And uh, this centers around Ryan Miller said, bring back Ryan Miller or look at other backup options. Should the yes. Ducks bring back Ryan Miller next year? Yes. And for how long? Yes. How long should they bring him back? One-year deals till he retires. Yeah. Yep. Who else is available? There's not um, too many guys available this year. Curtis McElhaney's now. Yeah, he'll be available. Yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. starter, though. He'll, he'll, he'll take uh, John Gibson's job. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you, you can't uh, take away from what Ryan Miller did. Uh, in the clutch um, when Gibson goes down with either injury or just complete overwork Ryan Miller is essentially a starter on most teams or at least a handful of teams and that's rough to to pass up and especially someone that's so is being able to evolve in the game I just as long as he wants to come back and play another season I don't think you're going to find a better backup and he, he was what two million last year I can't imagine he's going to be over the top you know I don't even think he's going to be two mil next year. I think he might even take a, a reduced hit. But even if he's two million, that's a hell of an insurance policy on, on the most important position in the game, Patrick. Uh, 
I mean, there's, maybe. Maybe. There's not many options yep. the Ducks can go with other than him, honestly. You can go Cam Ward, Brian Elliott, Anders Nielsen, or... Can you uh, not K- ever K- say Cam Ward's name again as a possibility? <laughs> Anaheim, please. Those are the four guys that are backups and have like, been That dude really. is a sieve since he won the cup. He's not a good goalie. Well, I'm, I'm not, not saying a... they should go for him. But th- those, are the, uh, he, those are the those are He still exists, Pat. You can't tell him to not. I mean, the Blackhawks thought it was so good to give him a no-move clause. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. They also got Chris Kunit, so whatever. Cups. Guys got cups. <laughs> yeah, cups for days. Yeah. <laughs> How did that work or, out? Uh, Ricky brought up in the chat. Or you could go Kevin Boyle if you if you don't want to bring – if Ryan Miller doesn't want to come back or if you maybe give Kevin Boyle a shot, that's always an option too. And the I Ducks signed Lucas Dostal as well. So not super stoked on Ducks goaltending right now beyond John uh, Gibson. So that, in my opinion, that's all you need. But Ryan Miller is good. That gives Boyle yes. another year, in my yeah. opinion, another year of experience. Experience is invaluable to goaltenders. You might see the odd, you know, uh, the Murrays and uh, you know the odd people who kind of jump in at a young age. A heart odd Philly. I mean, very occasionally you'll see young players jump in and actually do really well. It does not happen that often, and that's usually because you need quite a bit of experience seeing different situational plays and learning from them before you can get in. That's when you finally get your Bennington, who's 25 and a rookie, and killing it. Uh, It it doesn't happen all the time, so you just got to kind of let that simmer and and get better because throwing them in the NHL – playing as many games as they do in the NHL tends to wear on younger goalies who haven't had that experience yet. So I'd rather have a Miller in there if we can for a year or even two, if he's willing and just let that, that goaltending thing uh, uh, ferment a little bit. I agree. I I think so. And you look at the fact that the the point number nine, he had is decide on their current free agents. And I just kind of threw in the guys they signed to the Ducks just signed Lucas Dostal. He had a, a good season this year and had a good performance at the world championships. So even if they decide to promote, promote from within, eventually Dostal is an option to fill in in San Diego and kind of develop down there and get some time down there because he's a guy I think they hope eventually could be the backup. Kevin Boyle, I think, will obviously get a shot before him, but it makes for an easy transition. You know, Maybe you bring back Ryan Miller for one more season. You let Kevin Boyle get some more time in the AHL. Maybe bring him up a couple times throughout the season if Miller gets either hurt or if Gibson gets hurt or, or if one of them gets tired, you bring him up, get him some playing time. And then the season after, you bring him up as the backup if Ryan Miller doesn't come back. And then you allow guys like Lucas Dostal or Raymond or whoever, to, or even Ole Eriksson Ek, to get more playing Ech. time. And, and yeah, to get more playing time in San Diego and kind of make, you know take the next step in their development, moving on from Europe and coming over to the AHL too. Yeah, well, and, and I'm sorry. And Bob Murray also he, he mentioned by name. We got this really good young player, a goaltender Eck. I mean, he mentioned him by name. He skipped over all the other guys in the AHL, but he said, we got this, we got this young goaltending kid who's a stud. Uh, you know, we're, we're ready for him to kind of come in there. But he's going to be kind of that transition probably away from Gibby. Um, and so he's kind of at that same distance in age, where it's about a six-year difference, where if Gibby starts to go, at, at least at this point, his potential is to kind of replace him. So... I'm not as concerned as Pat is as far as the Ducks. Right now, we're kind of that funky who's the backup. But if we've got a solid starter, that's all you really need for the next four or five seasons until uh, apparently Eck is going to be that guy they think is going to be that that next that next level of uh, Ducks goaltending. We'll have yeah, to see what happens there. So I, I they, they, they haven't had great goaltending. So no, 
No, they need a backup after Ryan Miller. You know, John Gibson is going to be the no. guy who's going to start 60 games, but once Ryan Miller's done, and we assume, I, I don't think he's going to play till he's 40, so he's probably got either this one more season if he decides to come back, or maybe two more. I think that's going to be it for him. I don't think he's going to play into 40. He's chasing that dragon of the Stanley Cup, dude. He's going yeah. for it. I, 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 you know, <laughs> we'll, it. We'll see how long he can play for him. I, I think Ole Eric Snack yeah. is going to be a good goalie. I think Lucas Dostal is, is a good pick, too, because uh, some yeah. people last year, when he got drafted, had him as the top-ranked European goaltender. There was a couple guys who went before him, and he's just played well since the Ducks have drafted him. He hasn't really done anything wrong, so good chance. I, I want to see him eventually when he gets to San Diego and see how he could do, and he might be a long-term backup for uh, for John Gibson eventually once he makes it to the NHL. Let's see where they land. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the only other free agents the Ducks have are Derek Grant and Corbinian Holzer. That's it, and I guess Chad Johnson, but Chad Johnson is going to come back. So <laughs> I don't want a football player on the team. No football players on the team, please. So oh, I, does Derek Grant come back? Does Corbinian Holzer come back? What do you think? <clears throat> uh, Holzer, no. Grant, I think he will. They let Grant walk once. I don't see why they wouldn't let him walk again, other than they're worried about their center depth. Um, so there's he's 50-50 for me. They might do that, or they might try and do what they did last time, try and find somebody else or hope somebody gets promoted from within to take that spot. It just it kind of depends. And uh, it, with Holzer, the one thing the, da- the, the, Dax, the Ducks kind of lack is um, the size. I mean, besides your Josh Manson and then a whole bunch of guys who can't cut it in the uh, NHL, your Luke Shens and um, your Schuster's, uh, at least Holzer can probably play that third line of defense and and be a bigger guy and a little bit more of a physical force, which the Ducks lack a lot of times, and they get kind of pushed around. Um, so I'm more optimistic they might keep him, but then again, they might look for something cheaper and of a similar size. Yeah, I think Holzer's gone. I think Derek Grant maybe they'll decide on. I forgot there was some other guys who were UFAs too. Uh, Sam Carrick, Callie Kosla, Kevin Waugh, uh, Adam Cracknell, Andy Walensky, Jacob Magna, and Andre Suster as well. They're all UFAs uh, along with the three guys we mentioned. So there are, there are some there are some decisions to be made. I think like Callie Kosla probably is back in, in, in a minor role. Sam Carrick, I think, can go back down to San Diego. Kevin Waugh, they'll likely bring him back and hope that he can get back to the to the Ducks at some point. Yeah. Uh, on defense, I think Andy Walensky, Jacob Magna are definitely back. I think they're good depth options and they're good guys to play in San Diego. Andy Walensky for sure, because he might have to start next year on right defense if they can't find anybody else. And then I think the only guy who walks from that, I think Andre Suster is probably gone. That experiment oh, kind of failed. Please. It didn't really work out. He was brought in oh, to be please. that number six guy. It didn't work out at all, and he spent the rest of the year in San Diego. So I think he's gone for sure. Yep. Ugh. No Ugh. more Schuster, please. <laughs> please, no more Schuster. I don't need that in my life anymore. Nah. <laughs> We're all over it. All right. Well, so- the last thing I have is uh, an update on the San Diego goals because that's the uh, – we still have Ducks hockey in a way to talk about, and yeah. the Gulls beat Bakersfield, moved on to the Western Conference Final, lost Game One in overtime to the Chicago Wolves, and then won three nothing last night, uh, with Kevin Boyle returning to lineup and getting a shutout. They're making a run. 
They're, they're, yeah. they're making it interesting. This is the team we thought they're going to be all year, and they got a lot of guys coming back healthy, and obviously getting Maxime Comtois to come down because his junior team lost. They're making it interesting. They're, they're making it uh, hard for the culture. Shout Cup. out to the NHL for putting it on NHL Network, by the way. Seriously, I didn't find out about yeah. that until the game was over. I was so pissed. <laughs> I was like, so I wasn't doing crap. I was like, I could have easily sat down and watched this. I was so upset when I found out later that it was on actual TV. Dominic actual game people can see it by the boys. Ah. Dominic game. I felt like Kevin Boyle had to make some damn good saves. The Wolves didn't die easily. Did not, yeah. did not die easily whatsoever. And they, they could have very well been up 2-0 in this series. And the Chicago Wolves are a step up above Bakersfield and above Barracuda, who the, who the goals have recently beat. Yeah. But if they get out of this series, they're in for some trouble against the Charlotte Checkers or against uh, the Toronto Marlies. Those are both yeah. really dangerous teams, man. And form, I think former great Duck, um, Dustin Tokarski. Didn't we have Tokarski as a, as yeah. a goaltender? Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's playing for the Charlotte Top, Checkers no, now. Top, oh, yeah. Yeah. So now he's he's on the Charlotte Checkers um, in huh. in the Calder Cup final playing against the Marley. So I mean, the well, former duck trouble. Wait, I mean, just might trouble. as well just forfeit, just forfeit. I mean, we have, we like, we're not going to beat this guy. We haven't already forfeited. He, he was he was he played twenty seven <laughs> games for the goals back in 2016-2017. So he's highly regarded here mm. in Anaheim. So uh, yeah, if we, have, we can pick him apart. Finals. We got that. <laughs> we got that scouting report from all those uh, warm up goals. God, Maxie Comtois is beautiful in this. And what the hell is up with Adam Cracknell? That guy's killing he's it. He's killing it, yeah. I don't know. That's he's unreal. One of those guys. He's been around, right? So he's just – he's been put in a good position. I think he's playing with Maxime Comtois, and I and I think Sam Steele centers that line. I'm not 100% sure, but he's playing with some good players. Is he the, the Logan Gator of the minors? <laughs> He leads the AHL in points from in the playoffs. He has 15 points right now in the playoffs. He has six so goals and nine assists. So he's Logan Couture. You're not quite sure how he's doing it, but he's doing it in the playoffs. Yeah, he's he's more like a Couture <laughs> without the rat teeth. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, he's going to get rid of those. <laughs> yeah, that dirty look. Oh, I mean, man. and Sam Carrick, <laughs> another player who can't crack the Ducks lineup, has 61 points for the goals in the regular season to lead them, 61 and 61, also 90 PEMs, so I like him a lot. Um, and then Chase DeLeo, number two on the team at scoring, 55 points in 66 games. So yeah. that's pretty interesting. It, it's crazy how players who can't crack a Ducks lineup or an NHL lineup can just dominate in the AHL. It's unreal to me. When they get to that next level, they can't hang. Richie. It's, it's great. <laughs> Honestly, I think I think San, San Diego's a better team than Chicago. I think Chicago's a really good team, but I think with Kevin Boyle coming back and them actually having solid goaltending now, I think they'll be able to, to win this series. I think they're better than the Marlies, but Charlotte, I think, would be the toughest opponent for them. Charlotte's a really, really deep team. They've got some really good players. They're they're pretty much set at every position with good like players. Like Dustin Toparski. I get what you're saying. Yeah, what you're saying. yeah. Is he actually their starting goaltender? I thought it would have been He's Alex played Duncan. two games in the playoffs. I don't know if he's still playing. <laughs> oh, jeez, Pat. So he's not... He's, He's not even playing. He's not even the. Right, we well, don't know. Oh, oh, oh we on. got a chance now. We don't know. No one knows the answer to that. No one knows for sure. This is all. Okay, so it's actually Tukarski has played yeah two games and he has put up good numbers, but it's Alex Ndelkovich who's played the other nine. And, ah. Uh, and he's he's what the, they love to face. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're gonna play Tukarski. I think they're gonna be like, hey man. Hey, we really need to win against the Gulls yeah. in the finals. Man, I, I know you haven't played like all playoffs, but we're going to throw oh, yeah. you into the final and we're going to play. Yeah. But just He's remember when that. you used to play for that team. 
he's got that uh, the NHL clout. I mean, the other guy you said, I've never heard of that guy before. But I know it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a nobody. <laughs> hey, easily nobody. Easily nobody. But uh, Maxim Kumtaw, Matt be my uh, my favorite up and coming duck along with Max Jones here, guys. The guy's a beast. The yeah. guy's a, just an unreal player. Unreal player. But yeah, one more but... year in San Diego. One more year. Not yet. Yeah. You gotta wait a little longer, boy. You gotta play at least another year with the goals. He's got points in almost every game. He he was yeah. one no, game he man. didn't get points. I think he's in. I think he's come so far from the beginning of this last season just with his minor team doing international and then doing the the playoffs. I think he's I don't know what more he could do unless you want to just be in the AHL and see exactly what he does, but I I have a feeling he'll kill it in the regular season too and then how long are you going to try and keep that guy down? He's only down there I think. I think he might start down there. And then if he plays his way, like if he just plays so good that they can't keep him down there, which I honestly think he might, where he just puts up over a point per game for you know twenty or so games, they're gonna have to call him up, and they'll have to either make room for him or send somebody else down. That's what I think you do for him. You you send him down there, see what he can do, see if he's one hundred percent ready, see if he can dominate the AHL. That's the the way I like you know you how to develop prospects. You wait until they they're dominating junior, which Comtois obviously is. You let him get some. Oh, what do you mean? Like three hatch tricks in two weeks is dominant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bob Bob Murray already said that Comtois doesn't belong in the juniors, uh, but because of the way that it's set up, he kind of got stuck there. Oh, he was so yeah, and so and so now you know he said he should already be playing the AHL, and I think uh, you know at at this point if, if they were giving him that long look at the NHL earlier. If if he comes, I mean, if he continues to have a good playoff and then he goes into training camp or he does well in preseason, I can easily see him up here to start the season. He at was least. so pissed that he has to pay junior teams. You remember? Yeah. Yeah. And then they were trying to go like he was trying to say, it's like we try to pay him more to just like give him back and they, they wouldn't take it. I don't know. He's like, someone's got to change this. This is just, just crap. He was pissed about it. He was pissed about it <laughs> in a Bob Murray way. Eddie, are you, do you like the way that works? I understand it. Being around it a bit more with the CHL teams, they have to, or their league would not be... They Feasibly, they wouldn't be able to run the league because all their good players would be gone. They wouldn't be able to... You wouldn't be able to make good teams. There's already issues down here with teams still working around the system to be good almost every year. London's one of those teams. Up there. Where they're yeah, I guess up up here <laughs> up here. Uh, <laughs> London's one of those teams where they always there's different workarounds where they always seem to be good every year. But if you had it where guys could go, you know they didn't have to go back down to junior, they could just go to the AHL. They'd be here for like one season, maybe two, and that'd be it. And it'd be impossible for teams to be good. It, it would mean mean the teams that are notoriously really really bad would be would make almost no money because they would never be good because they'd be losing their best players. It, it, I get it. It makes sense. It sucks for for NHL teams. You know, it sucks for some players that get stuck in the system. Mitch Marner was a guy that gets got stuck in the system where the Leafs didn't think he was ready and they they didn't want to send him back down to junior. I mean, Maxim Comtois, he got stuck in the system. They know he's too good for junior, but they couldn't put, send him to the AHL and you know they didn't they didn't want to keep him up and burn his contract, so they had to send him back down. So for the, those players that it happens to, it sucks. But I, I completely get it because those teams have to make money and that league has to remain viable too. I, I would just say because Bob Murray says, like, listen, we, we try to send him more money 
to to get these players out. Like we know, like we can send them more money, and that kind of makes it. So I feel like they want to try and just restructure how it is. Or like, listen, if we got to take a guy off your hands, and we will compensate you for it, you know. But just don't just. Here's the deadline. If you don't you don't want them, then you, you're stuck for the rest of the year. I think was his main gripe is like because Maxime Comtois got got suspended and he's all he's, he said he's a look, look at the hit. It wasn't vicious. He's just a man playing against juniors, and that that you know that the hit was just way worse because of how big he is. It's because he doesn't belong in juniors. And so he was like, he's like, we we want to pay him more money, but you know the way that the, everything's structured, we can't we can't do it, and they can't give it to us. So. Yeah, and I you also have to think too. It, it wasn't just because of, of Junior that they sent him down. It's because if they had to play in one more game, he would have been exposed for Seattle as well. So I think yeah. that's that's a main reason why they sent him down. Maybe Bob doesn't either admit that or whatever or remember. But, yeah, or <laughs> he remember. is getting old. <laughs> but that that honestly, no matter what, you you had to send him down for that because the Ducks are already going to have to protect Jones, Steele, and Lindstrom. You can't also throw Comtois in that mix, especially if you think he's going to be the better of the four and and better, you know, faster than those guys and where he's going to be a valuable top six guy. You don't want to end up losing one of those guys for nothing if you have to protect another one of them. So I think it was a smart move anyway, even if it was because of the CHL rules he had to get sent down. It did save the Ducks to uh, to not have to send him, to not have to keep him up and, and go over that deadline. Hey, before we go, we should ask anybody if they have any questions. Those who've hung around, if you have like uh, about a dozen or so, one, one person. Right what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, they're the real, they're the real heroes. <laughs> Eddie, you're in the chat, RBS. right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the chat. We had questions throughout. I was kind of answering them in in the chat every in now order. and then. Um, um, and then, did we want to talk about just you know until those questions maybe build up or something uh, about we're going to have a free episode that's normally a Patreon show. Yes, doing a free Patreon episode for sure. Yeah, so our most famous one is Pat takes a nice swig from his uh, his delicious beer. Uh, our most famous Patreon show is our uh, uh, brew pucks and brews show, and that's basically where we get uh, some really good beer. We drink it and then we just uh, shoot the s for a while, uh, where uh, we kind of bring up anything, any topic. Uh, people chime in. Uh, usually it's Patreon exclusive or a top tier, but we want to get a little bit more uh, exposure to it and let people see the fun that we're having on that. So we will plan, uh, I think, probably next week or in the oh, we upcoming gotta, week. We've got to try to do it here pretty soon because, I mean, guys, we have so much to talk about with the NHL and the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. Finals. Are coming. There's maybe yeah. only two games left or one game left. <laughs> for the Yay. Ones. Yeah. So, so anyways, it's our most famous. You get to watch us kind of get uh, tore down a little bit more than normal, but uh, it's very interactive, and it's also uh, just a, a lot of fun. A lot of our patrons drink along with us and uh, chime in as well. So we want to kind of uh, give time. at least a free show and have everyone kind of involved if they want to be. Yeah, we're, we're down to have a good time. You guys can ask us anything and everything. It's kind of <laughs> like an AMA, ask, you know, ask me anything, ask us anything. <laughs> uh, mostly NHL topics where we talk about a lot of playoff questions, a lot of things we like to rant about. These dudes here like to piss me off and say stupid shit about the NHL. <laughs> that about. Um, so that's obviously, I mean, I, I was. I, I, hold prepared. on. I, I think if we remember correctly, you were the one on one of those shows who said, let's trade John Gibson and Ricard Raquel. So yeah, I think and it's, then, and then backtracked. We have to make room. We have to make room. You got to do that. Okay, yeah. It's my cute way of trying to rile you guys up, and then you guys try to call me out for like being serious about it. Which is oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You and your goalie love. We know how much you like that. 
Yeah, I, I, I do like John Gibson. Oh, yeah, do you now? I do like John Gibson. I'm not a fan of Chad Johnson. I don't like Chad. Yes, you can say look at here, like Chad. Look at here, Chad, yeah. Go, go back to Chicago. <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> thank you guys for all the support. Thanks for watching along. Eddie, are we done? We get questions, my friend. Uh, we had one question, but we do. I just want to mention we do have the draft show coming up with Steve Ponianos, too. Uh, yeah. We're going to be yeah. setting that up soon, and that will that'll either be end of May, early June, obviously before the draft. We're going to have that with him, and it's going to be previewing. the. I think that we did the first three rounds last year. We'll see what he wants to do, but probably, again, at least the first two rounds of picks the Ducks are going to have. So the, their first three picks, the two in the first round, one in the second round, we're going to be looking at who he thinks they should draft at each position and who he thinks the best guys available are going to be. So that's a fun one. If you haven't listened to the one we did last year, I know it's kind Draft of irrelevant now, but he's, yeah. A, yeah, he, he's a great guy to have on the show. It's one of our favorite podcasts to do each year because he just – the guy puts on a top 500 list for prospects. So that, that kind of shows you how much he knows, the fact that he goes that in-depth on it. You know, only about, I think, 286 guys get drafted. So he goes oh, well ab- above and beyond and his research to really figure out And he's kind enough to are. hang out with us peasants for an yeah, hour. Right. Uh, he's, he's very kind <laughs> of taking his time and letting us do that. Well, he's busy telling the whole world how everyone should draft because that guy goes deep. I agree, man. That guy's, that guy's got some awesome work. And his website, by the way, is uh, thedraftanalyst.com. Go check it out. He puts up drafts. Um, we're looking at that right now. Mock drafts are going up, but he has his April standings. Jack Hughes still number one. And this goes back to the question real quick. I know that Dave from Patreon had a question about that. Is is Jack Hughes, who hasn't put up any points in the world, and the world's, right, the world tournament going on now, and he hasn't really been on the score sheet as much as Capo Caco, or Caco, whatever. I, I, I can't think of his name right now. Sorry, I've had a you few nailed years. It. I, I definitely nailed it. it was, it's it's Capococco. I know it is. Um, he's definitely got the, the, the share of uh, the highlight reel. And Eddie still thinks that Capo is not as good as Jack Hughes, which i got to applaud Eddie there. He's giving a little shout-out to the what? Americans. Wow. Jack Hughes, is the, Jack Hughes is the number one pick. If you don't take – it's all recency bias if you take Capo Capo. Capo Capo is a good player. But, again, I always but go he's back a winger. There are a dime a dozen. But he, can, he can play center. He, he he has proven he can play center. So there, there could be a situation where maybe down the road he plays center. But this reminds me so much of Line A and Matthews. It, it's almost identical in, in how Line A had the better worlds. He had the the beat the uh, the better I think it was World Juniors. He had a better World Juniors than Matthews as well, and he was getting that hype near the end, near the time uh, near the draft time that people said maybe the from Leafs the same countries too. That's the best yeah, part. <laughs> maybe the Leafs will take Line A, but for Line A he was guaranteed a winger. Matthews was a center. The Leafs needed a number one center. They took Matthews, but there was that talk. There was that talk. Maybe Line A goes number one. I mean, if it's between a Finn and an American, I mean, no matter if you're Canadian or American, you always take the American in this in this day's NHL. That's the thing. They always go with those North American guys. That's what they always yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, because well, yeah, and I would think that they're a little bit more used to the not not North American style, but I mean, at least like the the way the NHL is played, it's played a lot simpler, obviously here than it would be in Finland. So I, I would assume that the, you know, it's an easier transition. Not that you know, Kako could uh, couldn't you know dominate and do what Line A did, but at the same time, there's there's uh, there's a lot less question marks when you get Jack Hughes, and I just don't think uh, New Jersey would pass that up on any anything oh, that had a question no. mark. That blue collar town, they're taking that American kid hundred percent. Yeah, and he's a hundred percent guaranteed a playmaking center. To play with a guy who could put up forty goals in Taylor Hall. You, hey, you how are you Jack guys? Hughes. 
Yeah, so you really feel it's Jack Hughes. I, I love. I just want to hear Eddie say it again. Who's the better player? Oh, it's Jack Hughes. He's American. <laughs> Who's in the top three? Well, not a Canadian, just a, a Russian. Well, no, 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 no. I, I think I think a Canadian. I think uh, Bowen Byram goes number three. So there is I mean, a Canadian in, number, in, in the sure. top three. There you go. Whatever you got to tell yourself. Yeah, I mean, you got to have some play. So. Hey, how do you guys feel since we're live? Uh, we'll get to the other question that, that was in the chat here, Eddie. You said there was another question there. But how do you guys feel about doing a Pucks and Brews on Wednesday? Wednesday night good? This Wednesday? Can you? Okay. Or do we have I to go? Have a, I have a hockey game on Wednesday. Well, we'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll let everybody know. We'll <laughs> I'd rather, let everybody do, know a, a drinking, I'd rather do uh, our, our, our show when it's uh, – I don't have to worry about working in the morning. <laughs> I know, but if the Blues win on Tuesday – but we have to do a Stanley Cup final preview Wednesday because I think the uh, it's going to be cutting it close. We're going to want to make sure we get it done before the finals start. And I think the I don't finals. Know. I don't. Whatever. Whatever. Fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> these we'll these wuss bags don't want to uh, commit to anything. I want to, but I got the Stanley Cup final start Monday, May twenty seventh. So we got time. We'll figure out a uh, a drinking show, probably Memorial Day weekend. Let's do. Let's shoot for that for you guys there. We'll do that. Yeah. You're welcome. Guys. Yeah. Uh, the, the one question we had was from Ricky. He said, "Bring back Montour?" Question like, "Oh God, no!" Yeah. No, you, you, can't. you can't. You you got lucky enough to ship him out for another defenseman and a top pick, yeah, first round pick. Why would you bring him back? What did he do in Buffalo? Nothing. Nada. They didn't do anything. They didn't get better. What do you have? A, a point or two? Haterade. Yeah. Well, I'm just... <laughs> the whole team fell off a cliff. Yeah, but that, I mean, bringing him back is not going to be your number four. He had his shot. He's not there. He's not that guy. Yeah. No, Bobby lost faith in him. That's the end of yeah. it. Bobby yeah. lost the faith, and that's it. That's it. You can't bring him back. Wish him well somewhere else, but just not not here. It's just not going to I don't hope I mean, he's the pretty. game he ever plays. <laughs> I don't, it's not a it, yeah, well, you're vindictive. Lose it. They got Ralph Kruger <laughs> right now. Everything looks up for them. Oh, yeah. yeah he's a good coach. Yeah. Come on. Good coach. I think he's a good coach. I think it's a good move okay. for Buffalo. Okay. It's a really good move for Buffalo, I think. All right. Well, we will be back uh, with Pucks and Brews, I guess, on Twitch next. So Yeah, we'll look at it next Saturday since these guys don't want to get drunk during the week. So we're just going to have to do it next Saturday. But, you can't uh, do it Saturday. Don't say Saturday. You can't do it Saturday? I have a charity hockey tournament I'm playing. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll let you guys know. How about that? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, we'll, Bye, figure, we'll figure it out, guys. Have a good night. Bye, guys. Bye.